Let's just start with prayer. I need prayer for this word today. I think it's going to be really good. Um, hopefully for me, I'm going to receive it. You can do what you want with it. Um, but I think God's going to do something. We all got here today safely. We came through the snow. That means he has something come expecting. So, Lord, we just thank you um, for just another day. We just thank you that you have something for us. You always plan. Um, you have promises for us. You have blessing for us. Lord, as I bring this word, I just thank you that um, that you begin to just stir in people's hearts and they can see the truth because all truth lies in you. So I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to talk to you guys about glitter guys did not seem very excited. Most of you must be parents and have had to clean that up, right? <laughs> right? So, so I'm going to talk about um, the glitter of grief. Hey! No. <laughs> guys didn't seem very excited about that. No, um, probably everybody in here has experienced grief in some way or another, whether it's a loss of a person, loss. Of, I mean, grief is not just when someone um, dies. There's a lot of things I have to agree. So I'm going to talk about um, the glitter. And how many of you guys know when you have glitter, it is associated with, like, parties and, you know, like, fancy princesses. Like, it's a good thing. Like, I mean, maybe, guys, maybe you didn't have this as much. But when we saw glitter as a child, girls, like, it was like, I have a glitter shirt and glitter pants. Glitter, 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 glitter. Look at my glittery lunchbox. And, I mean, like, if it didn't have glitter, you're like, do they know I'm a princess? Because this does not have glitter, right? And when you got to decorate with glitter, it was awesome. You know, like you have the confetti things that that have, you know, all of this. And it's fancy and it's creative and it's just really joyful. When you see glitter, it's a happy moment. Um, but the thing about glitter is once you bring it somewhere, it is forever there. You think you cleaned it all up? No. Mm-mm. So once you, once you bring glitter into the atmosphere, it is forever there. <laughs> like, you're like, you'll come. I remember, you know, using glitter. I'd come to school for like a week, and it's like, I know I showered, but there's glitter still in my hair, you know. Like, you walk up to someone, you're thinking, why do you have glitter on your face? They're like, oh, yeah, like three years ago, I made this card. <laughs> and it just sticks with you. Um, just when you think you've got it all, you think, I vacuumed a hundred times, you know, you get the crevice tool out with your vacuum. And there it is, right in the cracks of all the couches or seats or things like that. It, it's constantly there. Sometimes you don't notice it for long periods of time. But once you bring glitter, you know, I, I went into the children's church. And last year we used glitter. <laughs> this year I found glitter on the floor. <laughs> we have vacuumed that. Other people have vacuumed that. They have, like, steam cleaned the school in this past year and shampooed the carpet. And still finding glitter. And I know it's from us because I would hope that, like, maybe, you know, when teachers are not on their break, are not, like, throwing glitter around, might have some issues. I don't know. Um, so it's just constantly there. And it kind of, um, it was always good. Like, when my mom brought out, we made Christmas cards and stuff, and she'd get out the markers. And you're like, yay, markers, not just crayons. Because when you have a lot of kids, my mom would be like, crayons only, we're in the living room right? 
Because what happens with markers when you have brothers, it turns into a who can mark up the other person more. Nothing happens on the paper. You know, and so it's like, mom, bringing out markers, you're getting excited. She gets the glue. And the first thing you're excited about is the glue because you know you're going to cover your hand and let it dry and peel it off because we didn't have cell phones back then to play games, and that's what we did. <laughs> but then you know if she brings the glitter or if she brings the glue, the glitter's coming. And you are excited. You're overjoyed. It's like, this is a glitter day. At, when you were at school, if the teacher brought out the glitter, you were like, yes, because, you know, they kept it hidden. They wouldn't just let that stuff just sit out where kids could get it. You know, that's like catastrophe. <laughs> it ain't happen, right? Teachers put it up on the high shelf where the kids can't get. Only comes out if you're good. If you be good, we'll bring out the glitter. No, you were excited. You were like, this is amazing. We have the glitter. It was joy. It was really joyful. So when I think about, um, think about glitter, I kind of think about grief can kind of be like that. And it can be kind of hiding in the crevices. And you think, okay, we got this all. I worked through this. I got this. And then you see that, you know, something just pops up. There it is. And you're kind of right back to the first time maybe you had a memory with that person or, or something that you experienced that now is gone, but it reminds you of that. And it's kind of like, whoa, this brought me right back to that point. It reminds me of that moment where I was with them, where it was joyful, or I was in this job and it was, I loved it, or all of these different things. And it's kind of like, can, it kind of hits you like, like it was, like it just happened. Um, like it was the first time, like it was yesterday, that there's like no time passed. Have you guys ever experienced that with grief? And you're thinking, this has been so many years. Why is this bothering me, right? I keep little keepsakes, like things, and sometimes when I go through my junk drawer, I'll find stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember that, or oh, do you remember when, you know, kind of looking through things. You might do that with pictures or, or other things, and it kind of brings us back um, to that moment, and it can be tied to people. It can be tied to seasons in your life. Um, I know someone that um, many years ago, back when we only had CDs, and they had all their CDs in this huge case. I went over there and he said, oh, just pick whatever you want to listen to. He said, except don't pick anything between this spot and this spot. And I thought, there's some really good stuff in there. He's like, that was a really bad time in my life and I don't want to be reminded. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. Um, but it reminded me of that, that grief can come in seasons. And so things can trigger that. It can be things uh, that you've lost that you know you're never going to experience again. I mean, this morning it reminded me of something. We're driving and Matt has the gall to say that I need to get new shoes. Not these ones, but my favorite shoes. And he's like, you need to get new shoes. And I'm like, I don't want to get rid of those. He's like, you need to get rid of them. They're starting to fall apart. And it's like, it kind of hit me like, but what if I can't find those exact shoes and they don't feel the exact way? I mean, over shoes, I'm having a little grief this morning. Like, don't take my shoes away. Be, but when my kids were little, we actually dealt with that a lot because um, when they knew they grew out of something, when they knew they weren't going to do this again, you know, they wanted to keep it, but they knew they could never fit in it again, but they wanted to keep it because it's like that was a part of their life and then they have to grow. And so it can be kind of like, you know, like 
I mean, I still have all their little baby clothes in a tote, and sometimes I take it out and I just, look how little you were, and then I try to make them sit on my lap and squish them. They don't squish back to that size. I have tried. <laughs> you know, and it just, and you think, oh, I love that, because um, it's something that you might grieve because you wish you were back there, but it can be good. It can be good memories. It doesn't all have to be terrible and catastrophic and, and all of this, but I loved the thing about um, glitter is it makes everything kind of a little bit better. Put it on a card, awesome. You know, you put it, you put it, you know, on your clothes, like when you're kids, like that sparkle. It just kind of made it better. You, s- you stuck out. It, it was, you remembered the glitter kids that were like, you know, the only place that their parents shopped were justice and everything they wore was glitter. And when your kids are little, they wanted, they wanted everything to be glitter. <laughs> Because it kind of is that extra. Um, And when we have, so it's, I'm trying to think of how. So when we have this extra and it's like, I'm excited for it and and it's really good. But then when grief comes in and, you know, there's a loss there that is now tied to these really good experiences, these really good memories. Um, and now you know you can't experience them again, that's when it can kind of be painful. Um, I would say <laughs> it can be very painful. Even though I'm joking about those shoes, maybe that's not that painful for me, but maybe like the loss of somebody in your life, that could be really painful. Grief can be very debilitating. Um, and I think sometimes people think, well, there's, you know, here's a set amount of time and this is how you should grieve and um, or this is you could just get over it's not a big deal some things people may think are not a big deal to them but it might be a big deal to you and but I look and say I would not want a life without grief (laughs) you look at me like this lady crazy I'm not crazy I'll tell you why I know I promise you I'm not crazy but I wouldn't want a life without any grief because the depth of my grief reminds me of the depth that I loved, that I loved somebody or um, a season in my life that was so good. And if I didn't, if God didn't allow me to have grief, then that means I didn't have love. You cannot have grief without the love of something, the loss of something. Do you know what I mean? It's grief doesn't work without, if you don't care about it, you're not going to grieve it. You know, like if someone passes away, you know, in a different country that you've never met, you might see it on TV and be like, oh, that's really terrible. But it probably doesn't hit you because you didn't know. You didn't build any connections. You didn't build any love in that situation. You might have like, oh, I have the love of Christ, you know, you know, pray for their family. But you probably don't feel it or experience it the same. Um, and I don't want to live that shallow existence. I want the depths of life. If it was worth living, it's worth remembering. I don't want to forget things just because it's hard. And also, even some of the hard seasons, it's like, you know, I am who I am because of those. You know, I don't want to go back and maybe switch that. Sometimes we think, well, I would have done that over. I'm not sure how many things in my life I would have done over because would I be me? Would I be who God created me to be? Would I be walking in the call that God had for my life? So God did create us um, to experience 
you know, grief. You know, when we're going through life and it just seems good. I mean, I have had really good seasons and it just seems good and you just kind of catch a glimpse to something just catches that, that glimmer and just catches your eye and that emotion tied to it just begins to bubble up. Um, I had this experience. This was, <laughs> so I had a brother that passed away um, 17 years ago and probably five or six years ago, maybe a little more than that, we had, uh, my brother was a firefighter and we I worked in the preschool and they said, well, let's have these firefighters come in and they're going to show them their equipment. You know, like when you're little, that's, that's really cool. And they come in and this guy comes in in full firefighter gear except his helmet and he looked exactly like my brother. I literally lost it in front of all these little kids. I just bust out crying. I'm just sitting on the carpet just crying. And all the little kids are like, you know. But luckily, you guys know Sue who's here. God sent her. And she just walks over to me. And all the little kids are like, what's happening to Miss And Sue's like, she is just sad. And sometimes we are sad. And she sat next to me. And she's like, you're going to be okay. She did that to me multiple times. I'm like, are you here for the preschoolers or me? I'm not sure. But, you know, it, you don't know when something's going to hit. I'm like, oh, this is so fun for these kids. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm scaring small children. Um, but, you know, they made it. I've seen them. They're, they're okay. <laughs> Most of them. <laughs> oh, see, it can be, you just never know when that's going to bubble out. I don't think you can prepare for it. Um, I don't think that that we should. I think that just made rem- it was just awesome. I mean, because I'm think the greatest thing was is that was my brother. He loved being a firefighter, but he also the main thing he did was went to like all the schools in Grand Rapids and stuff. He's like I, he loved doing all the presentations for the kids. Like that was his favorite thing to do is to do that. And he's like he was you know this big guy, and he he would be like. I'm going to show you how to drop, you know, roll and do all this stuff. And he would put on the snow, the ice suits, and he would take all the young firefighters, and he would run out there on the suit, like on the, you know, it's like a kind of like a, like a sumo suit, almost like, because, you know, and he'd run out on the ice and slide on his belt, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, that's good. I mean, it was sad to see it, but then it brought all the memories of like, wow, this was who he was, and I can remember all those funny, crazy things. Um which was cool because I was a little kid. My brother was 17 years older than me too. So um, it was just pretty neat to see that that even though it was painful because he had gone, God gave me those little glimmers to be like, remember this. And then I can, I can laugh about it and have fun and have all these crazy stories. <laughs> There's more. But those are for another day. So God did create grief and he expected us to grieve um so we could experience the depth of his love you know we're created in Christ's image and I look Jesus even wept Jesus knew when he went to Lazarus that Lazarus was dead Jesus already knew that he was gonna call Lazarus out and he was gonna be raised from the dead okay if I knew that I'd probably be like chill out guys I got this I don't know if I would have went and been like ooh, crying with them right but why do you think that he did? Because he loved Mary and Martha so much that he felt 
what they felt, their loss, so he chose to grieve with them. You know what I mean? Because it was a loss for them. Even though he knew what he was going to do, he did not take away um, he did not take away that experience from them. He gave in and he said, you know what? You can tell how much you loved your brother because of the way that you responded when he passed. And so I look, I'm like, God, that was awesome. I mean, it was even greater when he raised him from the dead. We liked that part a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? We liked that part. Like, oh, we're crying. And he's like, he's like, this is, you know, I love you guys and just weeping. He's like, but could you just, you know, you know, hold this for me for a second. Hey, you get, come on out here. And they're probably thinking, whoo, Jesus ain't right. But Lazarus came out. So they got to grieve, and then what did they get to do? They got to celebrate. They got to rejoice. You know, it says in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, it says, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And I love that because sometimes people look at you and think, well, you should be grieving. You know, you should grieve for this long or you shouldn't laugh about that. I think, I don't know if any of you guys, when you lose somebody, you might cry for 10 minutes and then you're sharing stories and you are just laughing. I mean, me and Sue almost got kicked out of a funeral for that one time. You know, because we were crying and things were happening, but then we were remembering stuff and then we were laughing so hard that everyone was like, what's wrong with these people? But I'm like, isn't that amazing how grief can be? God's like, did you see how much you love them? God allows us to grieve. He allows us to remember um, the love, the affection we shared. And he gives, us, he gives us that time. He didn't say, you know what? You know how it's, people will come up to you and say, well, at least they're in heaven and you're going to see them again. That does not help me at that moment, right? Did Jesus do that? He didn't. So why do we think that that? brings us closer to God or it gives people comfort it doesn't when people say that to me I'd be like well I'm selfish and I want them here with me okay I am sorry like you see I'm not really together right now please don't say that to me lost a few people in my life and I'm like I'm not going to talk to people like that right but he allows us I love that he gives us that time to grieve and not try to fix it. It's not our job to fix people's grief. It's our job to come alongside them and walk through it and share those memories. Because you know what? Out of those memories come their testimonies. Out of those memories, out of those times of grief, you know, they come out with victory. And that's how people see Jesus. If you see someone like, it's fine, you know, they probably weren't going to make it anyway. So someone said, I mean, I've had a lot of people say that when people have lost people. Like, well, you don't know. It could have, you know, maybe that's a conversation later on. <laughs> Not in that moment. But, you know, God's like, I love you so much that I'm not only going to give you that, I'm going to grieve with you. Because he's like, I want you to experience the depth of love. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was very grievous for the Lord to send Jesus to the cross. For God to say, okay, I'm going to do this for everyone who loves you and everyone who hates you. I'm going to do this for everyone who accepts you and everyone who rejects you. Those who are going to do good in their life and those who are going to live evil. I'm going to do that. I mean, if someone even says one bad word to my kid, I was like, I'll fight you. Right? Parents, you're like, I will, you know, I may tell my kids they better shut their mouth, but if you say that to my kids, right? 
It's my kids. But God's like, I want to show you the depths of my love. So I'm going to read to you guys in Psalm 73 and 24, and I'm going to read out of the Passion. It says, you lead me with your secret wisdom, and following you brings me into the brightness and glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? You're all I want. No one on earth means as much to me as you. He's talking to the Lord. You know, not, there's times when no one and nothing can comfort us. When, when you just feel numb, you ever had that where it's like something happens or you have a loss and it doesn't matter what people say. They can give you the best wisdom. They can give you, you know, the answers right from the word of God, right? And it doesn't change how you feel. And you think, I'm never going to be normal again? That's the worst feeling. Like, am I ever going to be me again? But that's when God says, you know, it doesn't, you know, just me. You just need me. I'm not going to stop that. I'm not going to tell you that it's wrong or you'll get over it. I'm just going to be there. And I'm going to comfort you. And I'm going to pour out my love on you. That's what he does. You know, my life before Jesus was not perfect. Y'all know my life now is not perfect. <laughs> my life after Jesus is also not perfect. I know, surprise, I know I can see your faces. <gasps> no. But that's true. My life before him, definitely not perfect. My life after, not perfect. But the difference is when pain is present, he doesn't always take it away. And, you know, sometimes we want to do that for our kids. You know, people call them sometimes helicopter parents. Now they're called bulldozer parents because they just want to take care of everything and never let their kids experience any pain. And I look at that and say, what does that do? If you know anyone who's done that, that causes pain, doesn't it? They get older because they don't know what to do with it. So Jesus didn't do that for us. He didn't take away the pain. I know that's hard to hear. We think, Jesus, I'm saved. It's good. I'm on my way to heaven. Praise the Lord. I get to worship. But that's not all serving Jesus is. You know, he doesn't always take it away. What he does do is that he always gives us a hope. He always gives us a hope. You know, I look at the disciples. You know, a lot of them were martyred for their faith. I'm not sure that I'd want to be boiled in oil or pulled apart by horses. You know? But they still, they love Jesus. And they said, you know, we're going to preach this word and set people free at, at any cost. He gave them a hope for their future, for future generations, for future, um, you know, people that, were, that they didn't even meet yet. So they could hold on to that, even though they went through this pain and persecution and, and they grieved the loss of him. Right, to experience that. Yes, he came and gave them the Holy Spirit, but they didn't really understand that was going to happen. They were just like, oh, we're all going to, you know, come to this fate. Everything's terrible. You know, it, that's what was going on. But then when he came, he brought the Holy Spirit, and he gave them what? He gave them a hope. He gave them a hope. I love Hebrews nine sixteen. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Hope brings you, makes you connected with the Lord. Hope makes it like God is just right there. You don't have to, you know, pray for five hours to have God hear you. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to pray 
every second of, of your day and, and give everything that you have away and all these things for God to hear. He's saying right here, I am just, you get to come through into the inner and the curtains where it used to be you had to sacrifice and stuff to, you know, talk to God and be close to God. He was saying, I'm taking that curtain away and I'm right here all the time in every, every instance, you know, when it's good, when it's bad. And what he does is he keeps our souls. When they feel like they're going to shatter into a million pieces, God is right there. Because when we have the Holy Spirit living in us, you know, our soul may begin to break, but God's like, I got this. You know, it's going to be painful. But you know what? I'm here. I'm the greatest comforter there is. And life doesn't, it never changes immediately. You know, it doesn't go from one great moment to the next great moment. You know what I mean? It's really not a staircase, okay? It's like a roller coaster, like sometimes an underground roller coaster <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's coming back up. You ever been in a, this is what it is, Lord just brought this to my mind, is like a black water slide. And you go in, you think, this isn't scary. But then you're in there and you're thinking, what if the water stopped? What if I get stuck? Is there an inn? I can't see anything. And you're an adult and you're thinking, I sent my little child down this before me. <laughs> Am I a terrible mother? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You go first. I'm a good. But, you know, that's kind of how it feels. It's, it's not just going from, you know, this great moment to this. It's not like, oh, I have Jesus and I'm never going to experience this pain or, or grief or loss. It's not, it's, you're not immune from bad things. You're not immune from pain and you're not immune from grief. Really, you probably experience it now more to a greater extent because now you have, you know, Jesus living on the inside of you who really understands what love is. So then you begin to love others to a greater extent. So now instead of it just being your immediate family that maybe you love, you, you, your heart begins to break for people you see everywhere. You know, I, I love, I can't remember the song, but it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I thought, oh, man. If I really wanted that, my heart would be constantly breaking when you look at all the people and all the things that are going on. And so he didn't say, I'm taking that all away. But what he did give us, he gave us hope. Which then, he says, gives us a future. You know, it reassures us. It deposits joy. That's the great thing. Like, you can be in the middle of grief, and then God gives you, he gives you this joy. Like, hey, I'm going to get through this. Like, there is an end in sight because I have a hope. It can cover, hope can cover the greatest despair. Like when things are really bad, you're like, okay, it's got to get better. It's going to get better. You know, I always think of, you know, it'll all work out, all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord in the end. You know, it's not the end. Like it's going to work out. I'm not sure how. I can't really see it in my pain, but I can have a hope that God says it's going, that he's going to work things out for the good of those who love him, and I love him. So that means things are going to work out for me. Because it may look bad, but Jesus is our end result. It is Jesus. We can, if we have to look that far ahead, we look that far ahead. Like at least the very end result is going to be good. And, you know, in Jesus, when we have a hope, we have a hope for heaven. But we also have a hope that he says, here, heaven to earth, you're going to have blessing. Okay, right now I'm going through some persecution. But God said that he is going to pour out his blessing. 
Lord, I don't feel it. Bring a rainstorm, right? You're going to have love. You're going to have peace in the midst of that. He didn't say that he would take all grief away from you and you would never have sorrow. He said you get these things to basically, so you can walk through that. And that's what hope does. So in the middle of grieving, we got to hold fast to um, to our relationship with the Lord. We have to hold fast to Jesus. He came to carry the burdens with us. Um, and sometimes you're moving at a good pace, and sometimes you're not. And, and that's okay. Because he is not going to leave you. He's not, if it takes you, if you grieve longer than other people, that's okay. You grieve how you grieve. And no one is to tell you that you can't. Because you know what? The Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is with you. And you know what? It depends on the depth of your love. And not everyone can really, we can't judge someone's heart of how well they loved. And you, when, when we're walking in this, we're not necessarily different really by our actions than other people or our thoughts um, when we're walking through this. But it's because Jesus chose us and he made a way for us to have a hope. He put it back into the equation. That is why we go through grief differently because we have an end result. If you've ever experienced someone who has went through grief without the Lord, it's terrifying. It is terrible and it is painful to watch. I've never seen anything more painful in my life than to watch someone lose someone that had no hope. Everything else can be restored, but that was probably the most painful thing I've ever seen in my life because what he does is he takes that and he puts hope into the equation. So no matter how how chaotic, how painful, how distraught you are, there is always hope. So we got to go through grief with that like little glimmer of glitter. Like when we find that, like, you know what? God, thank you for giving me that time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to experience that. Thank you, you know, for this. Like, yeah, that was painful, but oh, it was so good. Thank you for that time. I wouldn't trade it for anything. That little glimmer. Because that grief produced, you know, it produced that love. And you can know that grief will never overtake you because you have Jesus Christ. He's the King of Kings. He leads us in victory. So in our lowest moments, if we have no one, because sometimes you will walk alone, and sometimes every decision you make turns out terrible, and sometimes it just seems like no matter what, you're, you're believing for healing and someone gets sick. And this person, this family, they get healed. And, and in your family, maybe they don't. And you're in the middle of that. What we can know is that Jesus is living on the inside of us. So even when we're all alone, even when nobody understands, because sometimes we feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. You're right. Nobody understands what you're going through because you are unique with your relationship with the Lord. And you are unique with your relationship with that person or that situation or that, that season in your life. So I want to remind you guys is don't let people take that from you or diminish that. You may grieve how God says you can grieve. If Jesus wept, we can weep. 
you know, thank you for giving me permission to cry. All of us women are like, he made us to cry. You know, there's a commercial that comes on, and we're like, that poor puppy. And our husband's like, great, we're going to have to get a new dog now. We're going to come home with, you know, five cats and two dogs. You know what I mean? I am not giving any of you guys to bring home new pets. And I didn't. You know, Irv had all those cats, and I just got one for Mercy. I left them all there. It was hard. Tried to put him in my bag, but it scratched her. I was going to take that one, actually. He told me not to come home with one. So Mercy got a new cat, and, and Matt's like, do not come home with a new cat. I was like, I can't promise you. And I'm walking out the door. He's like, don't you come home. I was like, I can't promise you anything. Because it was so cute. And so, so they have these two little kittens there. And Mercy picks one up. And she goes, oh, he's so cute. And it was so sweet. Then this other one is beautiful, Calico. I was like, oh, I need that. And I was like, Mercy, you hold it. <laughs> that was a terrible friend. Uh, I was like, here, try this one. And, like, got her hand. She's all bleeding. And I was like, oh, oh. we're still trying to pick out a cat. I was like, I reached into my pocket, and I was like, I have a receipt. It was a big, long one from Kevin Myers. And so I just take the receipt and wrap it around her hand. There's blood all dripping. I was like, you want to take this one, too? She's like, um, I think I'm not going to. And then I thought, I don't want to take it either because I don't really want to have that happen to me. So we left it for you. Uh, I don't know how we got there, but isn't it funny how you can just be talking about, you know, pain and then God just brings it in that he gives us the opportunity to grieve because he, that means he gave us the opportunity to love. Let's just pray.